One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue, but the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just just fine. There's Jughead and Betty, and Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time, jail time, jail jail time. We got milkshakes and pops. And mimosas at Veronica's Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime Some crime, some, some crime Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damaged, damn, damn, damn Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to another damn fine good episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas. You know, if you've listened to the show, that is a lie. There is nothing damn fine about it. But hey, we are talking about Twin Peaks this week because it just celebrated its 30th anniversary and uh, we're kind of looking for an excuse to talk about Twin Peaks always. Uh, We're only talking about the pilot episode today, but there are going to be spoilers because Part of the talking about the pilot is also talking about different versions of the pilot and the whole series altogether. And I'm not joined alone here. I'm also joined by uh, some new people to the podcast, which is great. I'll introduce them first. We are introduced to Max. Hello, Max. How are you? Hello, Andrew. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, living, living life. Living life in this quarantine like we all are. We're also joined by Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's always great to get new people new people on the pod. Uh, that's not to say we don't appreciate the stalwart that is Alex, who is once again joining us. Hello, Alex. Hey, Andrew. You know, normally I would call you the media master, but now there's like... There's like a whole chain going on here because every time, so basically we're going to talk a little bit esoteric for a minute. Not really, it's esoteric. But as I was getting into, uh, you know, pop culture more heavily, Alex is one of the main ventures that would always show me new things and like have me experience new things and like we talk about them. But normally when he would show me something new or something crazy, he'd be like, Oh, my buddy Max. Me and Max watched this ages ago, and it was crazy. Or, oh, Max introduced me to this. So, like, now it's like two gurus are on, and it's it's weird. It's weird. Which one is the true guru? Are we going to find out? Is one, like, Tulpa? Is it, like, Max is, you know, Evil Coop, and Alex is <laughs> Dougie? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I, I always bow down to Max when it comes to, uh, pop culture knowledge uh besides my parents he's the biggest influence on uh pretty much everything i know about pop culture i wouldn't be the somewhat well-rounded uh fan of many things i am if it wasn't for max being like you have to watch it you've never seen alien we need to watch alien we need to watch texas chainsaw we need to watch twin peaks and stay up all night drinking coffee because i just got the dvds like that kind of stuff so it's great to be uh, able to Yoda. talk about it with him here. I'm the Yoda, 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 Yoda. Luke Skywalker when it comes to pop culture. I'm kind of yeah. older and wiser, but he's much more photogenic and presentable for the public, I think. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm I'm Luke post-motorcycle accident. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I am. Uh, it's often and quite a, a normal occurrence to see. You know, Alex just drinking weird fish monster titty milk. So, I uh, yeah. I can see it. I can it's see true. it. It's true. Um, but yeah, before we get too far into just talking about ourselves, let's talk about Twin Peaks while we're here. Uh, and of course, we're talking about it this week um, because of the 30th anniversary, but also because. Um, Riverdale uh, has always wanted to be Twin Peaks, like, real bad, and it, it is real bad version of Twin Peaks. Uh, and also, Madchen Emic is, uh, is there. Um, so that's a thing that happens uh, once in a while. But uh, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of that's where it ends with talking about Riverdale. We kind of want to celebrate the show and not really compare it too heavily. Um, so, uh, Alex, what is your experience with the show and like, when did you first get involved in the show? Um, I would say I first got involved. I, I'm sure I'd heard about the show and I'd seen, you know, parodies on stuff like the, the Simpsons, but the first time I remember really hearing about it was, uh, when Max got the, uh, the first season on DVD and uh, I think it was during the summer so we would spend time like back and forth going to each other's houses and he was like you need to come over for a couple nights and we're gonna like just watch every episode we'll watch three episodes or something a night and uh, that's that's how I got into it nice nice so Max uh, since it's a good transition right to you here did you actually see the show as it aired or I was two years. I was two years old. No, I did not. Yeah, did not of course. Well, that's what happens. You put the babies in front of the Twin Peaks, and like that's how you get a max. I like to think. I like to think that I was in the room while my older sister watched it, and I just sort of soaked it up by osmosis or something. Nice, nice. So, were you a fan of Lynch before this? Like, is that where you came to the show, or did you just be like, "Oh, this is crazy TV show. Everyone's talking about it." I was sort, I was of, aware sort of aware of David Lynch, David Lynch from the more mainstream, from the more mainstream movies. movies. I'd seen Elephant Man, Elephant on, Man TV, on TV, but I don't think but I, I don't think I'd rather by somebody named David, somebody Lynch. Lynch. David Lynch. I didn't become, I didn't a, become huge, a huge David Lynch fanatic, David Lynch fanatic until, fanatic until I saw Mulholland Drive when it came, came out on, came DVD. on DVD. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was actually stuck in Kelowna, British Columbia, at my grandmother's house for a large part of that summer with nothing to do. It was like 8 p.m. My grandmother would play organ music. It was that kind of vibe. So I went out to the local Walmart and picked up Mall and Drive. Heard a lot of critics. Heard a lot of critics. Put it on their best list the year it came out. Saw it. And that movie like lit my brain out machine. I became obsessed with that movie. Just had to see everything I would that David Lynch had made, and my sister, and my sister, who also lived, in who BC, also lived in BC, was a big Twin Peaks fan. She had bought that the DVD set that just contained the first season. So that's how I came to Twin Peaks. Um, after sort of my my having nice, my nice. brain melted by Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I'm sure that is a brain melting movie. Uh, it's it. We'll definitely talk about the various releases throughout the years because I think there are some very interesting differences between the releases, and I would say. It's one of those things where, like, I know packaging is not a huge deal, but I think, like, the pa- the way that a lot of these uh, Twin Peaks sets were packaged would made a- at least made an impact on me and still makes an impact on my collection if I take it out. I'm always like, oh, wow, I forgot how, like, cool this, this package was. 
Um, but before we get too far, Kyle, how did you get introduced to this? Oh, well, um, <clears throat> funny you should ask that. Uh, my weird, the weird thing with me is when the pilot aired, I was only barely a few months old. I was only actually barely a few weeks old. So I got into it from one of its inspiration, not one of its inspirations, but one of the, uh, I actually got into it through one of the things that was inspired by Twin Peaks, uh, the video game Deadly Premonition. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, Deadly Premonition is coming up right now. Awesome, yep. awesome. <laughs> so so was it like review or like, don't they like, he literally talks about Twin Peaks in Deadly Premonition, right? I'm or, pretty sure for the most part. It's been a while since I did a full playthrough of the game, but uh, from my last playthrough, I'm pretty sure they actually name drop it. I need to double check. There are quite a few I, Twin Peaks references in the game. Yeah, it's one of those things where video games especially, there are so many, so many Twin Peaks uh, Twin Peaks references in video games. Like, I remember playing Life is Strange a lot, and there's, like, constantly, like, oh, yeah. graffiti that's, like, fire walk with me, and yeah. all that, all that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that's awesome that the world of video games brought you in. Yeah, um, and weirdly, I discovered Twin Peaks uh, not only through just uh, Deadly Premonition, but it was through a fan of Deadly Premonition who uh, used to do live streams. Her name was uh, Madame Luna. She did a live stream of the pilot episode of Twin Peaks, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, so this is what inspired it. And I just, uh, I was already familiar with David Lynch because I'm a huge fan of Eraserhead, and I was like, oh, he actually did a TV show. I didn't realize that. And I watched it, and I really dug it, and I fell in love. And I was like, okay, I have to discover more of this. Yeah, that that's awesome. That's awesome. I think I have a similar origin story when it comes to Twin Peaks. Not from video games, but it was like cultural cachet, kind of. Like, I, I definitely watched it when I was in college, and it was on can early Canadian Netflix. And, like... Yeah, it was. That's how I also got to watch more of it. Nice, nice, yeah. Because, uh, and back in the day... Uh, well, I mean, even now, the Canadian Netflix does not have the best uh, selection. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, early Canadian Netflix was so fucking sparse that it was like, basically, I was like, well, I guess I'll watch this because Thanks Killing was so bad, I had to turn yeah. it off. I need something else to watch. <laughs> I need <laughs> and, something competent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, Twin Peaks ended up being that thing. And then I used to, I actually made a lot of friends in college uh, through my love of the show, uh, so it, it was one of those uh, bonding, bonding things, which is which is not something I get from a lot of media. So that kind of makes it a little special. And I do, I do think it was my first Lynch exposure. Um, like I, I vaguely recall seeing parts of Dune on like a TV on TV when I was growing up, but uh, I do think my first full exposure uh, was uh, was this. Uh, show and then from then on I got into everything else and I'm just a big old lynch head now but you know mm -hmm. um, yeah so uh, Alex what did you think of uh, of the pilot when you first saw it and, and did you do a thing where you watched the pilot and let it sit or was this kind of like an all in one marathon session and I guess uh, Max if your first time was watching it with Alex and you guys can talk but if you'd watched it before then uh, we'll just wait um, we, we had to double check with each other before we started recording because I remember when Max got the box set for season one, he had mentioned like, okay, it's episodes two through eight 
because uh, episode one can't be on the DVDs. There's a there's a rights issue. So I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but I think we did we originally watch just what was on the DVDs, and then because I had the internet and you didn't, I found the torrent for the pilot. Or did we get the torrent first? No, I think we watched the DVDs first. I remember the Artisan DVD had like a little like pamphlet in it that said, "Here's what you missed with the pilot." And we were like reading it to each other to prepare ourselves to watch this, these upcoming episodes. <laughs> and then I think we watched Fire Walk with me. And then I think we finally saw the pilot after all of that. Wow, that's that's kind of crazy. That's actually a really interesting watch order because I do think that that might actually work pretty well. Like watching Fire Walk with me and then watching the pilot because I think those two probably would fit together quite nicely. Um, that is that is crazy to me though because like I think what really made Twin Peaks such like a fiery experience is that pilot episode. Like it really hooked all people in. So what, Alex? What did you think without the pilot? Um, without the pilot, I remember just sort of being dumped in. I think did they have almost like a recap? I know they had. Did they have they, Log Lady intros on on that the, set? I, yeah, that was introduced I, through. I think. When uh, Twin Peaks used to air on Bravo, that was made exclusively for that. Okay. okay. The Log Lady okay. intros yeah, don't probably... really tell you anything, though, about what previously on. It's all of these strange kind of which poetic, is... Gnostic sort of... Which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I'm not knocking it. But I actually think... Yeah, that's brilliant. One, as it's actually called on the, on the, the series order, which is the episode that follows the pilot isn't itself kind of just a recap of the pilot in a lot of ways. Like those first two episodes really take the time to like catch you up on what happened on the pilot. You can kind of go into it cold without seeing the pilot and still follow it, you know? Yeah, that, that's fair. I feel like the pilot is almost like a, a movie. Like, well, I mean like obviously in length and obviously in Europe, but we'll talk about that later. But I feel like it's a pretty solid Lynch movie. And, like, also knowing the fact that he never really wanted to solve the, like, the mystery, which we'll kind of get into, but he didn't never really want to, like, go ahead and explain what happened. Like, that's why I think it even works better as, like, almost like a little mini movie. Like, I feel like you could just watch this and then, like, walk away being like, what is going on? I actually think that's one of the advantages of having seen Firewalk with me before I saw the pilot. Because I actually think the pilot's one of the best things David Lynch has ever done. But going into it, knowing who the killer is, kind of knowing the answer to all the mysteries, it makes you appreciate the other things that are going on in the pilot, the the humanity of that pilot, what's going on with the town, the atmosphere of that show. Uh, because the mystery, I, like, I don't think they were ever really interested in giving you a, an actual compelling whodunit. And I actually think that was something that was a bit of the show's undoing later on when people were starting to get annoyed that they right. didn't know who killed Laura Palmer. And the show was never really about that. And going into the pilot, knowing you're not, it's not a conventional mystery, actually, I think, helped me appreciate the pilot more on that first viewing. You, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Because I can definitely see, like, upon rewatches, like, that pilot, again, just, like, stands out now that you know everything, right? Like, you know the entire story. And uh, that, I think that's that's a interesting concept. Alex, uh, did you have kind of the same experience, like watching it in that in that uh, order? Um, I think so. I remember 
just as 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 Max has said, having seen the rest of season one, because season two still wasn't out on on DVD at the the time we first watched this. Um, so watching the rest of season one, then watching Fire Walk with me, it was neat to go back and see such an artistically beautiful, well-made pilot that, as you guys have mentioned, stands alone as as a movie. So it was almost like watching a show and then watching the the first the first movie and the second movie sort of like like evangelion or something like you watch the entire series then you watch these two great movies at the end like that's that's sort of how we got to do it and it 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 ended up being uh an interesting a a really cool way to see it nice nice that's awesome that's awesome um kyle what was it like just starting it off without anything like what was it like just kind of being thrown into this world uh as the audience originally was uh going i'm actually glad I got into it the way I did because I wasn't going in with any sort of expectations except for the fact that like oh David Lynch did a TV show and I'm like okay I'm already there like I want to check that out Uh, watching the pilot episode in the first season and just really getting into the series I noticed that for how horrifying the subject matter of a lot of Twin Peaks is and just how scary the show can get I noticed that, like, the lighting and this the directional style of the series felt very warm to me. Like, a lot of, like, shots of people's houses in the Great Northern and just the rooms in the Great War- Northern look very warm. Like, it's, to me, it's like I just wanted to, like, take a nap in Cooper's bed. Just, like, it, it just looks so warm and not so much inviting, but just, it just looks warm. And that yeah. always, that always intrigued me to how Twin Peaks looked and it's throughout its first two uh, seasons, just that sort of weird warmness. Like it's kind of inviting you, but it also isn't, but something about that really intrigued me into the show and really got me involved and like really kept me going. Right, right. That's a really good point and a really good thing to bring up because, like, I do think that a lot of what makes the show so good is that it's David Lynch tackling like Americana. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of a it's kind of an extension and like a prolonged version of what he uh, dabbled in in terms of Blue Velvet because, like, Blue Velvet used a lot of the similar. Uh, like artistic stylings, to white picket fences, clean cut grass, you know, sunshine, that sort of, all of that Americana sort of bullshit, just like all of it together, nice houses, you know, people mowing the lawns, watering the grass. Yep, and then there's bugs underneath and heart attacks and ears and every, yep. the madness happens and no, know, exactly. then, all, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is this is this is David Lynch. You know, um, teenagers are doing dealing drugs and. People are talking to people they shouldn't be talking to, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's all these, like, little ins and outs. And I I do – one of the greatest things about this pilot is the way that it kind of, like, uh, plays with the idea. Because, like, there's a a very real trope in fiction. happened a lot in, like, you know, old-school noir fiction um, that is called, like, the pretty dead girl is, like, what the trope is called. And I do like how they do go through lengths to kind of, like, humanize Laura. I think it's yeah. even better. I think it's even better when you get Fire Walk With Me in there because you really yeah, I was more real, of her. Yeah, I was actually really impressed. I think that's one of the things that actually won me over with the movie was that, like, the movie and the, and the third season, the Showtime season, kind of surprised me with how dark and actually not warm it, like, the, the warmth of those first two seasons to me are gone in the showtime and season in the movie but like what surprised me with the movie was that how much 
how humanized Laura really was throughout it. Like, I remember before watching the movie, I kind of looked at a couple of uh, professional critical reviews, and I realized a lot of critics really didn't like it, and I remember one critical review saying that, like, Laura Palmer just wasn't that interesting of a character, and I after watching the movie and like watching all of Twin Peaks including the first two seasons the Showtime season and the movie I strongly disagree I found Laura not only to be an interesting character but a very sad and tragic character I feel like the performance of Laura Palmer was very much excellent and even with Twin Peaks fans I find I find the performance underrated like if that makes any sense I find it to be underrated just how beautiful and tragic the performance of her performance is as a character just like who Laura was why why she was murdered what happened to her and who did it like that really surprised me yeah yeah that's a very good point and I think like uh, a lot hinges on whether or not you can fall into uh the way of enjoying laura and her performance and her her story right because i think that is more than like the mystery that seems to at least to be me to be the actual thing that lynch wants to talk about is that kind of trope uh i don't know max uh what are your opinions on uh you know laura palmer and the the dead girl trope well, that's a huge question andrew <laughs> um well oh, I'm, so, actually... I'm sorry i'm sorry you know just bo- no i would actually argue that he's riffing on the the sort of urtext of that which is the vera kaspari novel called laura which was made into a movie with otto preminger which is about uh, a dead oh, girl yeah. haunting uh, a police man in this case um and um how he recreates her in her mind and then it has to face the real version of her when it's proven that she's not dead spoiler alert for a movie that's 60 years old um i think twin peaks is constantly doing that um giving you this sort of angelic dead girl you know when we see her on the beach uh, and we like remove the plastic from her face like a bride removing her veil you know she looks like this angel and it haunts the 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 rest of the series um but it's all constantly pulling the rug underneath that angelic image right it's constantly showing her as a person as somebody that was a problematic no 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 that actually that 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 is a very good point like it's very much influenced by uh laura uh now i have more experience with the the film version of that so i'm glad that you came with a little bit of the book knowledge uh you got a little bit more of the big brain on the reedy part um alex what is uh what did you kind of think about the way that the show deals with laura and her discovery versus like how no 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 worries no worries i'll just uh, we'll just uh, talk to alex and see what what he thinks of the thing so alex what do you think of laura palmer um, it's interesting watching the pilot again, um, having, ooh, I almost want to say the pilot would have been the last thing I, I watched before coming back to it because I watched the first season with Max, then Firewalk with me, then the pilot, and he did eventually get season two. And it was one of those things. I just never ended up seeing it 
And then when the return came out, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to catch up on all this. And I still haven't because I'm, I've been waiting. I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to, you know, go for it and get the, get the big box set. Um, so I can do the whole rewatch, but it's interesting going from the pilot right back to the pilot. Uh, and it would have been, oh my God, like 15 years ago, maybe that was the last time I watched it and, and rewatching it now. And, uh, just the different perspective I have going from being a, a teenager to now somebody in my thirties and being a lot more, uh, understanding of how this, 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 a beautiful character could have such this dark uh, story going on uh, behind everything else in in the series. So when I first saw it, I think I was really uh, a much more young and naive person and sort of shocked by all of this stuff. And having rewatched it now, it I almost it is so much more interesting to see that uh, that that was the kind of thing it, it it seemed like Lynch was trying to, to address like that, the, the prom queen, the, the girl who's, you know, photo of her wearing her crown is in the, the, the trophy case at the school can be somebody so problematic. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very true. I the, that image is just like the image of her on the beach and the image of her at, in the, like the whole, the prom photo that you were talking about it's so iconic that like I still see it on book covers. Like every once in a while, you go through and you look for like TV books, and that image, one of those two images, is like oftentimes smack dab in the middle to draw people in to be like, "Hey, motherfucking Twin Peaks, remember?" And you have to like go like, "Oh crap, yeah." And like it's a really striking image, and it will like no matter what bookstore I'm in, it will always stop me so I can look at that image and be interested to like see what the book has to say about it. Uh, I feel like the headshot of Laura Palmer from the ending credits will be forever burned into my brain. Like, just watching the ending credits to every episode, just just that particular shot in general with their hair done up and that smile, just something about that will be forever etched into my brain. Um, Yeah, that's very true. That I'm a little surprised I didn't bring up, even though I wrote notes for this, uh, was uh, knowing, uh, mentioning earlier with my comments about Fire Walk with me, I'm actually kind of surprised that she was so public about this, but uh, Cheryl uh, Lynn, the uh, um, the actress of Laura, Cheryl Lee, my apologies, the actress of Laura Palmer, who plays, you know, Laura Palmer, she mentioned that from her performance from Fire Walk with me, she actually got recognition from incest and sexual abuse survivors and i oh, think wow. that like, out of any anything in media like out of anything like twin peaks is what brought that out from people like people who survived incest and sexual abuse like that performance of laura palmer touched people that much or really spoke to people like that to me yeah, like that that's... that that's something else that really impressed me about fire walk with me after watching it was that a, perfor- a performance of that caliber really brought that to people, like really brought that out of people and really showed that sort of attention. Yeah, and I think really that is kind of like all that really neat, like the fact that it, like it, it is so noticeable uh, just kind of goes to show the lengths that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Lynch did and the, the amount of work that Lynch put into uh, to fully realize the character. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's impressive. But let's talk about something more fun than incest murder. Let's talk about pie and coffee. 
and Dale Cooper. Uh, I honestly, yes, I feel like, I feel like Dale Cooper is one of my favorite characters in like all of fiction. Uh, there's just something like so arresting and so immediately charming about his character and his quirks. And I, he, he's got like, like you can tell Mulder has like a little bit of Dale Cooper, but like there's still that wackiness and wholesomeness of Dale Cooper that like, it's just kind of really hard to match or put against any other super detectives in fiction. Like uh, usually when they create a character like Dale Cooper, they're like, uh, they're really obviously playing up the like Holmes tropes, but he feel like the Kyle McLaughlin's performance and the writing between like uh, Mark Frost and uh, Lynch himself, it really does kind of like bring out him as like a character and he like feels real and you kind of always want to know more about what his life is like, but you also don't want to know more, if that makes sense. Like, you kind of like the fact that you don't get an overt and a heavy levels of exposition for every single thing that Dale Cooper did in his life, uh, which, again, like, there's no flashbacks to, like, oh, here's my time in the academy, fun around the boys and having a great time. Like... Normally, uh, you know, when a show goes on for as long as uh, Twin Peaks did, uh, you would expect something like that. And I like that you just, the only things you get from that character is the present. Uh, You get mentions of the past briefly, but like it's not a main focus. Um, Max, what what do you think of Dale Cooper, the character? I'm with you. I actually think he is one of my favorite characters and funny enough, alongside of Sherlock Holmes, those are probably my two favorite characters in fiction. And even though Cooper and Truman have this sort of Holmes and Watson vibe going on, I think it's, no, it's not in the pilot. In one episode, Truman even says, I have to start studying medicine because I'm beginning to feel like Dr. Watson. Um, In some ways, Cooper's kind of the anti-Holmes uh, because Holmes is a uh, creature of pure reason. Everything is deduction. And Cooper is much more of an intuitive detective. And I think this kind of ties in with what I was saying earlier, where the show's not really interested in being a traditional whodunit. You know? Cooper's not really following clue A yeah. that leads to clue B. He'd rather go out into the woods and throw rocks at milk bottles while he says people's names. And then, okay, I the, the bottle broke, and I said, Leo Johnson, he must be my next suspect. You know? Um Right, right, yeah, exactly. I think there's also a lot to to be said about, like, the emotional depth of Cooper, and I feel like Holmes does have, obviously he has emotions, but, like, he, the way that the two characters are written, they don't usually give Holmes a lot of emotional responses to the crime, and you can really tell that this is kind of shaken Coop. Holmes is a character that's completely closed off to life outside of deductive reasoning in some respects. Um... Cooper is somebody that is open to like every faucet of life, you know? He genuinely enjoys his cup of coffee. He delights in the smell of Douglas furs. You know, that's not something you could see Sherlock Holmes doing, but that's what's so appealing about Cooper. He is sort of the kind of savant character, if you will, that Holmes is. The one that has all the information at his fingertips that can intuit what needs to be done. And yet he is such an open, almost childlike character. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. That he's got this childlike wonder to him, which just like it and I think that really uh they really play around with that idea in the showtime seasons, which we won't get into here, but I'm sure we will probably try and bring this whole group together to actually talk about the showtime seasons in the future cuz 
season, sorry, because there's a lot to talk about there. Um, but yeah, there's there is definitely like a childlike innocence to him, and the, as the layers slowly get removed from this crime, and you learn more and more about like the horrors of the town, like uh, it, it adds for like a really interesting contrast, I would say. Uh, Kyle, what what do you think of Cooper? Cooper is one of my favorite fictional characters ever. Like, just out of any form of fiction, out of television, out of books, out of movies, out of radio plays, out of video games. Just, in general, Cooper is one of my favorite fictional characters. Uh, I think what really surprised me and won me over of Cooper was just... And this may not be the most noticeable thing or the most quality bit of Cooper, but what's his his empathy? Like, he's so... like his, he has this very empathetic view of people. Like the, it's not just that he's trying to do the right thing and fix things and help people, but it's just just the way he is around people. Like just how he tries to help people. Like that really, I thought that was very beautiful. I I felt I I that really just that really spoke to my heart. Like one of my favorite one of my favorite moments in television ever. Like like television history to me is when Daryl, uh, excuse me, when Dale Cooper and, uh, when Dale notices that someone's in his bed in his hotel room and he comes, he comes back after a long day and, you know, like of all the things he could have done, he wants to talk to the person and, I, I, I'm trying not to spoil this. I do apologize, but it's just, it's such a special one for me that I hope people can seek it out from my my speaking of it. But he wants to just help the person. He wants, like, he'll stay up all night, eat french fries, and drink milkshakes with the person to make sure they're doing all right. Like, he noticed, he, his reaction is that what you need is a friend. And I find that so beautiful. I love that sequence so much. I can't watch it without crying. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's very true. That's very true. They do, as the show progresses, they do give a lot of, like, little human interactions, uh, you know, with, with Coop himself. It's And it's those human interactions that, like, stick with me. It's like, the, those are the things that always are always stuck in my brain, is that. Like, just those moments playing over and over in my head. Of course, of course. Uh, Alex, what, what do you think of uh, Dale Cooper, and what is your overall favorite character in the series uh that at least or at least in this pilot episode that that you think maybe doesn't get to talk to the lot enough or even if it's cooper that's fine as well i just figure you keep uh getting the last of the questions so i don't want you to run out of things to talk about that's so. okay uh <laughs> Who no, do you no. love? um the uh i i love that you guys mentioned the the childlike part of cooper because in a way i almost think his I don't want to say his lack of a filter, but there are so many moments in the pilot where he's not necessarily like rude or curt, but he's, he's not filtered. He'll just say something to, to Harry or to, uh, one of the other, uh, cops and just say a comment. And it just sort of catches you off guard because it's, it's not necessarily rude, but it, it's not, uh, polite conversation or or it's not going with the flow of where things were going and that is almost such a a a childlike thing but it's so refreshing i forgot i forgot a little bit about that um as far as favorite character um it's really hard to say cooper is amazing like the show hangs on cooper um i don't know i i do like that andy 
is one of the times where you want if you've watched a lot of procedurals or any sort of show about working in in police or or any sort of first responders they do seem always so strong and i like that one of the first times we see andy he's crying and he's crying constantly like when they find the when they go to the 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 abandoned train car or whatever um the scene of the crime and he's just crying and he tells lucy like don't tell everybody i was crying like tell them i didn't cry and that's just so heartbreaking because here's this guy that he's this small town cop 51,000 people live in twin peaks this isn't the kind of thing he's used to getting called in for but even when when they find laura at the beginning they say that last time andy cried was when they found that i, I think it was like uh, somebody dead in their barn or something from the the like a year ago even then andy had cried and like i love that he's even though he's this this cop who's supposed to be very you know, hard nosed and, and getting the work done. Like he's so human that like just the idea of these people dying, like it just hurts him so bad that he's constantly crying. And I think the first time I watched it, I thought it was funny, but watching it again, like a, a little more grown up, I'm like, Oh, that's, it's, it's just really beautifully sad. That's a great point. Cause I think Andy uh, is a character that like, has a little bit of like you at first when you first watch a show you're like aha they're trying to do like a Barney Fife kind of thing, but then like you watch the sh- you watch the show more and you pay more attention and you go oh no he's a good cop like Andy is a good cop he's not an idiot he's just very emotional, and that like affects you know his entire life and all of the moments that he has with like Lucy and everything like that so I I absolutely uh, love Andy so I'm glad that he came up. I think I think one of my favorite characters, uh, just to kind of transition to one of the characters that I like the most and that has the biggest effect on me, uh, has to be uh, Pete Dickens. I love Pete Dickens. I love Pete Dickens so, so much. Uh, he is just a weirdo. And the way that he delivers things like, she's wrapped in plastic. Or my favorite that li- line. That line delivery is so goddamn perfect. Just like, just like, it's so good. Like everyone, I feel like has to do an imitation of it. You can't just say, "Oh, she's dead, wrapped in plastic." You have to do the, "She's dead, Earl, wrapped in plastic." Like you just have to do it that way. You have to do it that way. And he has my favorite line in anything ever that I think about all the time, and I don't know why. I will just be going throughout my day, and I'll just think. There's a fish in the percolator. <laughs> like, so, like, the idea like that's that just fish. like such a like normal thing. Like, oh, there's just a fish in the percolator. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so it's so funny and it's so out of left hand. And I find <laughs> in my life, I as I meet, there are certain people in the town of Twin Peaks that I feel like I meet multiple times in my life, and I think I've met quite a few Pete Dickens in my life. <laughs> so it always has a. That character is always close to me because I always think about people I know. Um, Kyle, uh, what do you think? I'm sure you have lots of things to say about Andy, so don't feel uh, Mm. restricted. Go. Who are your favorite characters in the show, and who made a really big impact on you? Uh, Funny you should uh, ask that. Uh, Funny. uh, I I wanted to kind of quickly throw in at the very end of your conversation about Andy was that like him being so emotional. I wanted to quickly throw in like, how can you not be emotional in a beautiful place like? Twin Peaks, Washington, like just the location, the the location of that series, just like the trees, the open mountains, the, 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 the giant lake, the, the waterfall, just, 
how can you not be emotional in a place like that? Like, just looking at everything just calms me down and makes me just feel zen. Like, you just look at the trees blowing in the wind. You look at, like, you look at the cute... 50s-ish design of the town, you look at the diner, you look at, you just want to go inside and have a slice of pie. Like, how can you not just feel the emotions coming out of everything in that, in that, in that location? Sorry, I just, something that No, really, no, that's, very, that that's really, very true, that's a good point. Just the locations of everything just really speak out to me. I can't help but not be emotional. I would be emotional too if I was in that line of work in that particular part of the world. Like, yep. just... Yep. I mean, I, I, that is a good point in that it does, like, because it removes the TV veneer. Because, like, for a lot of times, like, that is how a person probably would naturally react, right? Like, oh, definitely. You like, see, You see, it, it just... the reason why it makes an impact seeing it on TV is because TV people are not portrayed that way. Oh, no, totally. Like, like I, I think that's something that kind of speaks to David Lynch and Mark Frost's direction to the series is that like this isn't directed like a normal TV show like it's very cinematic for television like it's not just some backdrop like oh they're just in some such and such city in America and here's a house and here's I don't know the local store that everyone meets at like it's so open and big and it's so cinematic but uh my favorite characters uh that's that's a beautiful question because there's so many that I really enjoy. But uh, to kind of start off, I'd like to just start by saying Laura Palmer, that even with what you know and what you don't know about the character from the beginning and just what you find out throughout the series and in the movie and even the the Showtime season, I really love her character. I, I love Cheryl Lee's performance and I'm always surprised at how much it catches me off guard every time I watch I like the character of Maddie Ferguson, and I get why that some may not like her, because I think when you see her character and like, oh, I see what they're doing, and like, the whole reason why she exists as a character, and like, what she what she's supposed to be doing there, like, it's it, it may feel like just a bit of a gimmick, but I love that David Lynch decided that like, oh, this performance is so good to me, that like, it's such a good performance, I want to see this actor come back as this character, like, I love that, it works out so well for the character, I also love Hawk, uh, I tend, to, uh, my political commentary for, uh, real life situations tends to be a little different to how I do with, how I feel with fictional characters, but honestly, I love just the, I, I, I love, I, I, I love the, I love how Hawk presents himself as a police officer and how he presents himself as a person. There's just, there's, I, I just, I love it. Uh, Michael Horse, uh, his performance is so excellent and he's so underrated. Like, I just, I love everything he brings into his character. Uh, nice, nice. That's I also awesome. love, uh, uh, Madchen. You can't, I, I cannot love Madchen Amick. Shelly, she's great. I love her performance. Uh, I feel like Dana Ashbrook is Bobby. He brings in such a there's there's just something about his performance where at first you really can't stand him, but there's something about that performance from the character that you just 
you can't help but just find interesting. Right, um, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, I might, uh, minor correction for myself here. Uh, mm-hmm. The character is Pete Martell, not Pete Dickens. Pete mm-hmm. Dickens is a person I know from work. <laughs> Awkward. When, when a character gets you over that much that you actually confuse them with the person in real life. <laughs> <Whoops>. Nice. <laughs> No, that's 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 understandable. That's valid. That's valid. <laughs> um, that those are all really good, uh, good character beats there, and characters that don't get enough love. Um, I have to give a, just a special shout out to Laura Palmer's mom, just for all the crying she has to do throughout the first season. Like, oh my god, that is such an excellent performance. Like, you have to put so much into that that emotion. You have to, you have to. You have to feel that. You have to give out so much of that. Like, I, I can't, like, imagine putting out that much of a performance and not just immediately getting the worst headaches from that, like, that much crying. Like, oh my god. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. Max, uh, who are some of your favorites? And uh, who, uh, who really has made a big impact on you? I mean, Cooper probably is my favorite character. Having... Of course, of course. Having said that, it's so hard, especially after rewatching the pilot, to pick a favorite character because that that pilot episode is so humane, and everyone kind of gets these really like beautiful grace notes, um, and 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 really touching moments where you feel like the impact of the grief that's that's having both on the individual and the community. I'm I'm blathering, stalling to look for an answer. Uh, I would point to Grace Zabriskie as uh, Sarah Palmer. I love her performance. Um, and it's a brave performance. I think having like that, playing that level of grief is is like, I don't know. It's an incredible performance. I love Leland too. Uh, he's not given a ton to do in the pilot, but I, I he that that scene when um, uh, uh, Sheriff Truman comes into the hotel and he knows without having him having to say anything that Laura's dead is so incredibly moving. So yeah, maybe just based on that scene alone, I'll say Sarah and Leland Palmer, the whole Palmer clan is, is amongst my favorite characters. Nice. Nice. That's a really good, uh, good choice. And I, I, and as the season and the series, uh, expands, I think they really do some very interesting things with both of those characters. Uh, so that's a very good, uh, good point. Um, I, later, like, I think it's like near the end of season two, there's a point where Especially Leland when you get is like movie. singing and like some, oh yeah, the movie, the movie is, is yes, yes, the movie. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I remember there's a scene where like Leland is like singing like, and he's like singing like this happy jaunty tune in like some of the darkest scenes in the show. It always messes me up. So, uh, yeah, good, good on you for that. Um, so I guess now we'll kind of just go around the horn and talk about, you know, what did we think of the pilot overall and, uh, where it kind of stands in our estimation of the show. Uh, and then, uh, we'll kind of get into the impact afterwards. Uh, Alex, what did you think of the pilot itself? Um, it's, it's, it's just so well made. It's crazy to watch it now. And other than certain, um, uh maybe maybe shot choices or, or something like how or maybe just more the outfits of, of certain people it's crazy to watch it and think like oh like this could be modern like this was you know head head and shoulders above tv at the time to think that this was made in 
1990 or either it was 89 or 90 when it was actually filmed um to think that it was like that well made as just a pilot of a show now granted i know like you've 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 alluded to they did shoot it to be a a a a movie as well for for european audiences or in case it didn't get picked up as as a as a show but the amount of love and care that just clearly went into that pilot it's it's fantastic it it does set a high bar for the rest of the series but i remember watching through the rest of season one and as great as moments are in that pilot like it's just a small taste of things to come so I would say it's the perfect, as as much as I've mentioned before, it was the it was a neat place to end. It is such a perfect place to start as well, and it really does get the ball rolling and and sets the tone perfectly. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, the uh, has has anyone else seen the European pilot? I'm gonna probably guess that like not many people have because it's not other than other than for like a weird curiosity it's not worth seeing because like, I think that they do uh, well, sorry, it is worth seeing because I think they took elements of it and incorporated it into the end of the Showtime series, like specifically the location where certain scenes happen and where some reveals happen. And the logistics of that seem like they kind of accidentally kind of like revisited. Well, probably not accidentally. They're probably on purpose. revisited some of the iconography, of those sequences for the end of the uh, Showtime season, but um, has anyone else seen the added stuff from the European version? I've mm-hmm. only seen the ending to the European version. That's really about it. I was able to that... watch a little bit and just, I, I was like, okay, well, I still remember the pilot episode off by heart. I, I think I might just skip to the ending to see what they, exactly they do. And I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. Then that's how they they will end this. All right then. Like yeah, that's, that's what the, that's that was what the grand plan would be in that situation. Okay then. Yeah, Max. Uh, w- w- did you have you seen the European uh, version? And uh, in uh, aside from that, what is your general opinions of this pilot? Sorry, I didn't hear your question, Andrew. My my headphones cut out. No, no, no. That's okay. Uh, I was just uh, wanted to know if you've seen the European version and uh, just your general thoughts on the pilot itself. Um, I have seen the European version, and if you've seen uh, episode two of season one, you've pretty much seen the European version too. Most of it's recycled for the end of that episode, but Dale Cooper's Dream of the Red Room. Um, all of the new material, I think, is in the, the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I don't, it, it basically is interesting because it's, it becomes such a large part of the mythology after episode two, the red room, even the 25 years later thing that goes on to drive the, the revival series kind of crops up in the European version. Suddenly after it's revealed that Bob is the killer, uh, you get the 25 years later and then the red room sequence starts. Um, and then my general impressions of the pilot, it's probably my favorite episode of the original series. It might be my favorite episode of television of, of all time. Can't beat that. Can't, uh, cannot beat that. Uh, yeah, I can't really argue with anything anyone has said. Uh, this episode is amazing, and uh, I can see why it caught audiences so hard back in the day when they were seeing it, especially when you compare it to a lot of TV of the time. Like, there is a lot under the surface here, and I think it really did kind of help legitimize 
TV as a medium uh, in a lot of people's eyes and really kind of started a lot of the more prestige, quote unquote, prestige television that we have today. Uh, Alex, I know you're a basically like human TV guru computer man. So uh, I imagine you know quite a bit about the world of television and how it was affected by Twin Peaks. Um, it's interesting that nowadays it's not crazy for film actors to cross over to TV, but until the, the new golden age, like post Sopranos, I would say, or even maybe post Breaking Bad, like it's only been in the last you know, 10 to 20 years, depending on what you're looking at, that actors from film could really cross over as much to, to TV. And that's what's so neat about rewatching this, where there are certainly television actors who are in the, the, the pilot, but just looking at all of the real film actors that Lynch was able to get to be in this pilot... Uh, is crazy to look at for something from 1990. When you look at the other shows that were on the air or or shows that were being launched, they were sort of, you know, just mostly campy sitcoms or, or you know, it's like, oh, let's give this stand-up comedian a show. Like, that was still really big at the time. Um, and uh, it's it's crazy to look at, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think... The X-Files would have, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if anybody else has more info, but I don't know if X-Files would have gotten the green light had it not sh had it not been for Twin Peaks showing that, like, okay, America's willing to watch something that is weird, that is, that is not, that is way out of the ordinary. So it really, I think, uh, just was able to open a lot of doors and open a lot of minds to a lot of the great TV that... There, there's not as much prestige TV from the 90s as there is, you know, unless you really count Sopranos, which was right at the tail end there. But uh, right. But but it, it really showed that you could have I wouldn't say it's necessarily serialized, but a lot of shows were afraid to have a, a big continuity. And this was a show that was like, no, you really needed to watch every week because you needed to really follow along with what was going on. Um so I think it's it its importance cannot be oversold. Yeah, that is a that is a very very good point, Alex. Before we uh, get off of you, do you have a favorite show that is clearly inspired by Twin Peaks, or like a favorite reference in another show? If you don't have a direct correlation in your head, um, I don't, I don't know, I. I would say I I did love X Files um, when when it came out, uh, but as far as TV shows, I've watched like the entire series beginning to end. Um, I guess you could argue this is more influenced by X Files, maybe. But the show Fringe, I would say, like just the idea that you could have this this great show, these amazing performances from these great actors uh telling this really really bizarre story um yeah i'm i'm just looking I, I i feel bad i'm looking around this room being like what shows can i can i look at on my wall no shows? no but, uh, i mean i mean that's fair it's like it's one of those things where it'll kind of come to you when you really think about it uh just to, to get things started off with what i think i think my favorite 
Twin Peaks, at least, so this might be a little arguable, but I think that like True Detective, the first season of True Detective has a lot of Lynch stuff in it and a lot of Twin Peaks uh, kind of like inspired uh, material. It, it takes a lot of a, a much darker look at it and doesn't doesn't as much introduce or focus on the, sorry, my cat is meowing, obviously. I thought uh, I heard a kitty. Uh, <laughs> on uh, on some of the lightness of uh, that Twin Peaks does, but I do think that like the way that it is told uh, has a lot of Twin Peaks uh, inspired stuff. Um, Kyle, wh- what what did you think of the impact of the the pilot on TV, and uh, what is some of your most your favorite uh, clearly Twin Peaks inspired shows? I do apologize if I make him off as a little redundant because I feel like I said some of these comments already, but I feel like just the way the pilot, uh, the way the pilot was directed really changed television, that television could be something bigger than just being on TV. It could be bigger than just daytime soap operas like Dallas or, or Dynasty. It could be more than just, you know, crappy family sitcoms or sitcom based off of a, uh, sorry, excuse me, it could be more than just sitcom based off of a stand-up comedian, where the stand-up comedian is this person, but they're also named this person. It can be more than just uh, cop drama, but this time the cop is this person, and they are a recluse, and they're trying to just do the right thing, or it can be more than just legal drama, but this time it's this. I feel like Twin Peaks really showed the power of what television really can do. I think uh, the, the fact that I think with television, with your out, with your time time slot and your ti- your set of time, you can you can really go places. You can really do different things. You can really be something interesting and creepy at the same time. I think uh, yeah, the, I think the pilot of Twin Peaks is so phenomenal and so inspiring, just because like, it can show what a medium really can actually do. Um, that's my sort of thoughts on that. But uh, my favorite ins- uh, things inspired off of Twin Peaks, uh, two things. Uh, one would be a video game, and that would be Deadly Premonition. I love that game. I love the works of uh, Swery65. I, I just like seeing what that guy will do with video games. Always always inspires me. Love that guy. Uh, and one is actually, that was filmed around the same time as Twin Peaks, and it aired about, I think, after the first season aired on a different network, was uh, the uh, charming comedy drama series northern exposure i uh, knew i knew you were gonna say northern uh, exposure yeah. I, knew it. I knew it perfect knew you it. know me too well you know me too well um the first season especially does a lot of twin peak shout outs uh i think uh northern exposure took the sort of odd comedy of twin peaks and ran with it uh taking the idea of a small town and uh, in nature, far away in nature, like say where Twin Peaks is far off into the forests of Washington State, uh, Northern Exposure is set in the wilderness and uh, snow snowbound uh, in most seasons, uh, you know, <coughs> lands of Alaska that um, takes the quirky town and its quirky residence comedy from Twin Peaks and just really runs with it. Uh, it runs with the aspect of the small towns and just the weirdness that comes from small towns, the quirkiness that comes from small towns, and really goes for that aspect and uh, takes the sort of dreaminess of Twin Peaks, like the daydreams, the fantasies, and just really goes hog with that. 
Nice. That's perfect. That's a the good good recommendation overall. I've never Thank actually you. seen Northern Exposure, so I'm definitely going to take the plunge. It's uh, going to be celebrating its 30th anniversary in the summer of 2020, so I'd honestly say that just about 30 years old, it still holds up. It's a really nice little comfort food. It's uh, still nice. pretty funny. The performances are really good. A uh, lot of great musical shout-outs. There's a lot of great uh, music references and great songs used. Uh, the soundtrack to Northern exposure is just excellent uh i'd highly recommend it It, i'd say it's still a really neat little piece of television history and uh i think almost 30 years later it's still worth a watch and it's just a it's a fun little throwback i think it's an interesting aspect to like this is what television was but how it got better this is television post twin peaks this is what the better version of television was this is what it looked like being better Interesting. Interesting. Good recommendation. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Uh, Max, um, what do you think about the overall effect on the world from this, uh, you know, from this pilot? And what are some of your favorite Twin Peaks inspirations? Well, Twin Peaks came onto television before the term showrunner was sort of common coin in the like the parlance of, you know, TV watchers. Um, it sort of set this idea up, I think, that a television show was not necessarily something made by committee. It could be made by one or, in this case, two sort of singular distinct voice. And and in some ways, that's what's another way that Twin Peaks is so cinematic. And what's interesting about that, though, which I think a lot of TV hasn't caught up on, is that in, in the case of Twin Peaks, one of the sort of auteurist voice in that was not somebody that was primarily a writer. Um, but was a uh, somebody that was a director. And so Twin Peaks is a show that because of that has somebody almost not quite week to week, but like working out his weird visual fetishes of like girls in saddle shoes and the 1950s and lumber um, and, and his kind of pet obsessions in a way that I don't think uh tv had ever done before that and and, and in some ways in terms of the visuals i don't think has done it subsequently twin peaks is one of the only shows i can think of that has like iconic images in it you know um in the same way that a movie like blade runner the shining has iconic images uh so having said that in some ways it doesn't really have any like direct predecessors um those shows that have been inspired by it i would agree with alex uh, x files um, and point out that not only that large overarching mythology, I think, was inspired by Twin Peaks, but how that show forefronted atmosphere, sometimes over plot like Twin Peaks did. And the other show, which might be a bit oddball, I would pick out would be The Sopranos. Um, I think The Sopranos kind of picked up the idea that uh, dreams and dream logic was on the table when it came to telling a story or plumbing the, the psychological depths of your character. Hell yeah. Big mouth, Billy Bass. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. I did, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you back. No, no, I was done. Bring up that amazing dream sequence. <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of, that's kind of a good introduction to Twin Peaks and kind of a good talk about the influences and the ephemera around its 30th anniversary. Um, so I just kind of go around the horn and ask everyone uh, some final thoughts and where on the internet they can be found. Max, is there anywhere that you want people to check you out online? And what are your, kind of your final thoughts? What do you want to leave the people with today? I cannot be found online. I am a man of mystery. Um, and my final thoughts of Twin Peaks as it comes to the pilot 
I think I hammered on this point before, but I think when watching the pilot, I would encourage you to anyone watching it for the first time is like set aside the quirkiness and the strangeness that has been talked about again and again, and sort of like recognize the sort of humanity of that pilot. I mean, the first half hour is just watching a town being torn apart by by grief and um, the real decency of that pilot. Uh, Cooper has this sort of idea of uh, this line where he says, you know, you know why I'm whittling? Because that's what you do in a town where a yellow light still means slow down. I think that's really the kind of ethos of that show. And, and, and it to me is more powerful than even, you know, uh, dancing little people and, and uh, murdered g g women and stuff like that. Nice, good. Uh, Alex, where online can we find you, and what are your final Twin Peaks observations? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, is where I'm most active, at AJ Pattison. And uh, because, you know, we can't really go anywhere lately, um, my other account, at Our Saturdays, uh, I've been posting things I got at garage sales in the past that I've never posted about before because... There's not going to be any garage sales for a long time. So, um, oh man, buddy, scratching. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. Oh, scratching man. that itch, but th no, like it's 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 small fries compared to everything else going on right now. Uh, small, you know, small potatoes. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I knew Max would want to jump back in to laugh at me for that. I'm not going to say anything. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I. It's interesting. I was going to say the same thing as Max, like just really look at the humanity in the show um, because other shows have really tried to copy the the quirkiness and some shows have have done well with that, like, oh, making a very strange show um, that pulls you in. But the pilot of Twin Peaks really shows you that humanity that behind all this weirdness, these are these are people, these are grieving people going through the the worst time of their life uh for some of them and uh it it really is a showcase for that um and it's it's one of those shows that it having seen it when i did i'm thankful that i saw it before a lot of the the copycat shows that that maybe came after or shows inspired by it it is one of those things where it might be a little hard if you are pop culture savvy and you know certain spoilers or you just know certain things that are they're coming up to expect or even just have watched shows that have i don't want to say ripped off but that have have used fun devices that are in twin peaks so i would say if if you're coming to it for the first time having seen other shows like i don't really think anybody would have to be patient with this show it's it's so well made but uh, just if, if, if any part of it gives you pause, just really think like, oh, if it, if, if it reminds you of something, it's probably something that borrowed from it, not the other way around. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good point to remember. Cause it is kind of hard sometimes going back now, this show, I don't think 
well have as much of a problem as other shows do when you go and revisit them after so long. Because I, I feel like Twin Peaks might be one of the greatest examples of like actually aging well. Like, yeah, uh, like yeah, with true, all of true, the comments we're making about like, you know, try to put this in mind, and if you watch the pilot and it seems like this, just think about that. But like, honestly, I feel like Twin Peaks is aged like shockingly, extremely well considering the circumstances. Yeah, no, you're you're very true. Like, I feel like uh, there are other shows where they introduce a hook or an idea. And then another show uses that, and then you're like, you go back to watch the other show, and you're like, oh, I mean, I've seen this. I mean, they ripped it off a bunch. But, like, Twin Peaks, like, the weirdness that is incarnate in the show and the nature just kind of make it so that it's kind of not easily replicated, I would find. Um, Kyle, you can, uh, where you can try. You, you can try. Oh, yeah. Sorry, just like, you can try, but I feel like anything that you do try with, it's just, it's only going to come off as just it can only go so far. Like, you can only do so much to try to do that weirdness with the fingers in the air, you know, the weirdness. You can only go so far with it. Um, my apologies for interrupting. I just wanted to quickly say that. No, no, it's fine. We're just we're going to throw right back to you again because I was wondering where on the oh. internet we can find you and oh. what are your final thoughts. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, well, you can find me online through uh, Twitter at ChibiUFO. You'll find me blabbing on about old obscure video games, uh, disability, uh, social justice and the disability aspects and disability-related politics. Uh, you can find me blabbing on about film. You can find me blabbing on about old anime. Uh, you can find me online through there. You can also find me online through Instagram, where I post my random musings of pictures through, say, video games or whatever I find interesting uh, through Instagram and taking pictures of it. And uh, you can pretty much find me through those two means. And uh, that's pretty much that for me. Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me on and allowing me just to kind of explain my side of what I find, uh, what I love about Twin Peaks and why it intrigues me so much. No, I'm really, uh, really glad that to have you on and have your perspective, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, this will not be the last you guys hear of any of these voices as uh, this really was a killer episode. Oh, bless your uh, heart. If you uh, like what you heard on this episode, please rate us five stars on whatever your viewing or rating platform of choice is. And you can email the show at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com. None of you do. I don't know why I say it every week, but hey, it exists. Or you can follow us on Twitter at mpodcastm. Uh, so thank you all, and as always, blame the CW. Goodbye. <laughs>